Hi, I'm Jillian Dempsey from Harvard University, and you're listening to College Hockey Talk. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. Thank you for listening to one of our bonus episodes that we are releasing this Saturday, and this episode is with Harvard hockey legend and NWHL superstar with the Boston Pride, Jillian Dempsey. Fantastic interview with her as she talks about her days at Harvard and talks about her journey as a hockey player as well. Just a fun conversation. She's so nice, one of the best hockey players I've seen in the NWHL, and just overall great interview. So without further ado, here's the interview with Jillian Dempsey. Enjoy, everyone. Before we get to our interview, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow our social media accounts at College Hockey Talk on Twitter and Instagram. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review, and follow our Spotify page. Doing these things helps our podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I'll truly appreciate it if you did that. Here's the interview. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, we have a very special guest, former Harvard Crimson Tide captain and current captain of the Boston Pride, Jillian Dempsey. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Jillian, and how's it going? Thanks for having me. It's, it's going well, so excited for, for the weekend ahead. Well, that's good to hear. And overall, how's your quarantine been going and what have you been doing these past few months to prepare for the upcoming NWHL season? So there's been a shift in how I was training when everything happened starting way back in March. Um, as you know, our championship game was never played this season. So that was obviously what they had to do with this, the given situation. But um, a bummer for us. And, you know, we had that chip on the shoulder even more, that unfinished business wanting to go out there and, you know, have the opportunity to, to win it. And since everything happened in the spring, you know, kind of shifted to a working out from home setup. I always used to go to Mike Boyle, strength and conditioning and Woburn. He's the best, all the trainers there, um, top notch facility and top notch program. So it, it's been weird to not be there. I think they're back in business and they're, they've been going, but um, you know, I, pur- I purchased some things like my, I have the assault bike. I have some free weights. I have, kind of created a mini gym and I've been able to to manage all of the off-ice needs in terms of the strength and conditioning by working out at home. Um, but I'm definitely eager to, to transition back to going to the gym. But it's, you know, with everything that happened and not being able to be on the ice for so long back then, it was definitely a great transition in, in the summer when I was able to get on the ice and, you know, work on skills and just be back out there and um, and, you know, hyper-focusing on all the things that I can control right now since so much is beyond control. But the past several months have looked like getting back into the swing of things with, um, you know, having our team together, practicing together, and doing the usual off-ice that I've been doing since March. And I'm a fifth-grade teacher, so my quarantine, or I guess my time now, it looks like, it's remote learning. That's what my district is doing. I actually do go to school though. So I teach from my classroom and you know, we're, we're learning every day. We're making progress and um, we're getting into a routine and we're making it work. But um, you know, th- things have been, been going pretty well considering. So appreciating that. That's good that you found creative ways to prepare for this year. And it's cool that you're going to Mark Boyle's gym because we talked to his daughter on the podcast. So Oh, nice. Connection happens, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to start talking about before you went to Harvard. You're from Winthrop, Massachusetts. Uh, What was it like growing up there, and how did you start playing hockey and falling in love with the sport? I think Winthrop is probably most well-known from Miracle, from Mike Rizzioni and, you know, the famous scene that they do in the movie now. Yeah, such a great one. So um, very small town, obviously, right outside of Boston. 
my dad had played hockey growing up, so and he loved it. And uh, my my younger brothers, at the time, my youngest brother wasn't born, but when I started playing around age five, my younger brother was playing starting with me. Um, he's a '92, so we're a, a cup about a couple years apart, just a little under two years apart. And he's a hockey player and everything as well. So we kind of started that together, played town hockey, mites, and squirts. And after that is when I, um, you know, transitioned to a different girls hockey program out in Concord, Alsabit Valley. But my, uh, my, you know, my time in Winthrop, my dad had coached us and it was the fundamentals and it was the basics and, you know, going down to Larson rink. And at the time when I was younger, I don't, I don't even think I was aware of all of the 1980 uh, excitement and everything. And it wasn't really until the movie came out and I was much older that I, I realized how awesome it was that Mike Rizzioni is from the town and I've connected with him and he is just such a great guy, genuine, makes the time to have conversations, to check in. And um, so I'm fortunate to, to be from the same town as the Mike Rizzioni, the great ones. So, um, but yeah, loved my time growing up here in Winthrop and I'm actually back teaching in Winthrop. And so it's, it's come full circle in that way. And I, I connect with a lot of my students who play town hockey and, you know, we kind of share that passion obviously. So um, I, I always enjoy being able to interact in my hometown community. That's awesome. And Miracle is definitely, in my opinion, the best movie of all time. Just so many great quotes that I could just share. I was more of a Jim Craig fan watching the film. Uh, I don't know why, just because like all the adversity he had to go through during those Olympics. And then when he yelled at Herb Brooks about not taking the test. Yes. It was just the best scene ever. So I, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about Michael Ruzio too. So hopefully I can meet him one day. Now, was he your favorite player growing up? Or was there someone else that you looked up to and tried to emulate your game after? So um, we actually had season tickets for the Bruins. Um, what was it? Section 324, I believe. So my dad would, you know, there I have three other siblings. So there's four of us. Three of us played. My older sister never did, but she still enjoyed going to the games, you know, so he would kind of rotate and we would get our chances to go with him. We had two tickets, so it was always awesome when it was your chance to go to the Bruins game with dad. And, um, you know, in the – that was like mid to late 90s that we that we would go. It was the Ray Bork oh. um, time period. You know, a little bit older Ray Bork, but Sergei Samsonov actually, number 14, he was – my favorite player. He was my favorite Bruin. Um, he was, he's a speedy left winger shoots right-handed, but Russian talent, you know, like just skill speed. He was fun to watch. And so I absolutely loved him and I looked up to him. Um, I think I'm pretty sure that's why I'm 14 now. Um, but for, for female hockey players, my parents actually would take me to the Harvard women's games. So that's, where that I fell in love with Harvard and and when I decided that was my dream to attend and to play there so, and you know some of the players who I enjoyed watching in those days AJ Malexco um and she's an analyst now I think on I don't remember the exact network but you know she Patty Kaz winner and um you know played in the for Team USA at times. So she's obviously had an illustrious career. And um, Julie Chu, I loved watching Julie Chu play. And she always, she was one of those players who, she really took the time to interact with me as a fan. There was one time I waited after a game by the elevator just to grab her autograph. And she was one of the last ones up, which is funny now because I'm usually one of, the last players out of the locker room, but she gave me all the time in the world. And she, you know, it wasn't just sign and move on. She, she spent time talking with me about hockey and she was just genuine. And, you know, when you meet somebody you look up to and it's such a positive experience like that, that's, that always makes it even better. And so since, since then I've been a huge Julie Chu fan, um, Angela Ruggiero was playing for Harvard in those days. So uh, I was lucky to have some, some pretty incredible female role models right in my backyard. And 
um, you know, memorable times going and watching them play. So I watched some um, NHL hockey in the 90s in person, and um, mostly those early 2000s was when I kind of got into watching women's college hockey in the area. That's awesome. Uh, I was very lucky. I grew up watching the Bruins like in the late 2000s, early 2010s. And that's when they were like on the run winning the cup with all those yeah. great players. So I got pretty lucky, but just weird to think about that before that they were not really kind of like that. They're kind of struggling a bit, Ray Bork left. So it's pretty cool that to get that experience uh, seeing the Bruins like in that state. Now, before Harvard, you played for Acibet. Uh, like you just mentioned, you won two championships. Uh, talk about your experience there and what you took away from it. Yeah, so, I mean, that was definitely a, um, you know, transition period for me. I would say leaving town hockey. I had been playing boys hockey, but, you know, they once they started hitting and I was pretty small and it just seemed like there were better options out there, especially with girls hockey developing the way that it was. And um, I actually played a year for the Islanders, the Middlesex Islanders, I want to say we were out of Merrimack. No, we were maybe out of Andover. I, I, I can't believe I, I forget, but I did a year with the Islanders. And then we we discovered Asabit Valley and the obviously the success that they've had there and the players they developed. It was an easy decision to make the switch and go play for Asabit. Um, so I started there U12 Red and played – all the way through high school graduation. We actually were able to win four national championships in my time, which was awesome. Um, you know, especially because Asimit was really strong and really successful when I was there. And my Rivers team was actually just starting. And so we were a big underdog. So I had, I had both of those experiences happening at the same time. And there were positives and so many things to learn in both of those experiences. But my time at Asabit, I think, really helped me develop further as a player. And the expectations are high there. And, um, you know, the coaching, I had Dennis Lang as my coach. And he really cares about player development and um, helping us continue to improve and reach the next level. And obviously, I played with Dena, she was my center for so many of those years, and she's to this day still one of my great friends. And now I'm playing with her sister Lexi on the Boston Pride. So it's, it's as you know, the hockey world is very small. But my time at Asabit was um, nothing but awesome memories. Got to, I think the most memorable one was when we went out to San Jose, California, because I had never been out west there, and it was just a cool experience, and it was kind of a mini vacation we did a couple of days before the tournament where, um, you know, we saw the big hill, we saw Alcatraz. We didn't get to go to Alcatraz, but it was still cool to see all of those famous um, landmarks in the area in San Francisco. So um, lo loved my time there and it really helped me develop and take my game to the next level and be ready to, to compete at the college division one level. I was also reading where you played lacrosse in high school. Uh, talk about other sports and how it helped your hockey development. And do you think it's important for kids today to play other sports, just not focusing on just one? Yeah, definitely. It seems that nowadays there's so much specialization, or at least early specialization. I think that's the the term that they um, that they give it. If I'm wrong, sorry, but um, you know, it seems like kids are playing their one sport year round and um when I was growing up I played um, everything you know when we were out in the yard we played every single sport together in terms of organized sports I had played t-ball and um little league baseball um played soccer obviously played hockey never got into basketball that was never really for me, but we played in the yard with the, you know, in the driveway with the hoop. But, um, and I picked up lacrosse when I went to Rivers in eighth grade because it wasn't really an option in, in Winthrop at the time. Now it is, which is great, but it wasn't super popular when I was growing up. But I think the importance of playing different sports is it helps you be well-rounded as an athlete. And 
It helps you think in different ways. You develop different skills and, you know, even just physically your, your muscles and your conditioning. It just, it gives you that the break that your body needs if you were just playing hockey for 12 months out of the year. So um, I'm a, definitely somebody who recommends and highly encourages that kids play everything. You know, when you're young, play everything. Take a break from your sports, even the ones that you're most passionate about, because even though you love it, it's important to get that time to rest and recharge and do that by playing another sport, have different teammates. Um, so there are just so many benefits that come with playing multiple sports. And, um, you know, as you probably saw too, Charlie Coyle, he, you know, that he's batting the puck out of the air, played little league way back in the day. Hockey players have to have so many different skills come together when they're on the ice. And I think being, uh, you know, somebody who plays multiple sports is going to give you an edge and an advantage in your sport, but also just good for your body. Good for you to take, um, time with some other teammates, but, um, yeah, lacrosse was a, a decent transition because, you know, it's, they just say, you know, run hard. And I was used to having a stick in my hand. So, um, but the girls across, I used to get frustrated because you know how it is in hockey. You put your body in front of the shot to, to make the play, block the shot. Don't let it get on net. But in, in girls across, if you were more, what was, I think it was, if you were more than six feet away in the shooting lane, it was a dangerous play. So they would blow the whistle and then that offensive player would get basically a clear shot to the net. And that was always, a, that was something I didn't understand because I'm like, no, no, I know it's, I'm in the lane. I'm, I'm sacrificing that. I want to block the shot, but obviously the rules and the limited equipment. I always thought that men's lacrosse would have been maybe a little more fun being a hockey player, but um, no, those were, it was awesome to engage with different teammates and have that different experience and cross train. Now, was there any adversity you faced preparing for college hockey and getting uh, recruited and talk about your recruiting process and what made you want to go to Harvard? Cause I know it's a bit of a different uh, process going to an Ivy league school versus another school. So Harvard became my dream school pretty much since sixth grade. Um, and we actually were making autobiographies in school. And there was this one section that was called the future section. And you had to write your future, write what it was going to be. And naturally, I, I wrote about uh, attending Harvard and being the captain and then going on to play for Team USA and winning gold and you know, those were my dreams from a young age. And it, it really was incredible to have a dream come true. And, um, you know, one of them came true, one didn't, but so I ex kind of experienced the, the highs of achieving a dream and the, you know, the heartache of, of not having a dream that you worked for happen. But, um, you know, the, Obviously, education and focusing on school was something that I knew was very important all the way through, especially if I wanted to attend Harvard. And my parents really um, emphasized that at home, that schoolwork is, comes first. You have to do well in school. And then comes sports. So in our household, it was very much, you know, we took school seriously. Um, fortunately, we loved school. Like my siblings and I, we all enjoyed school, had positive experiences, um, so that part was, you know, my responsibility as a kid was making sure that I was doing well in school, working hard, doing the right things. And then the opportunities would come for sports. So, um, the recruitment process there, there was actually a camp at Harvard. Harvard will do some like a little camp that, um, I think it was like a weekend camp, but I obviously took any opportunity to do something with Harvard hockey. I was, I was ready to jump at. And I, I went there and that was really my first taste of coach stone and the staff at the time, the locker room, just everything Harvard hockey. And from that little experience, I, I was, I knew I was even more in love with the school and with the program. Um, and I guess the recruitment process, I know it's different now or 
you know, you can interact with coaches way earlier now, but I would say that when I was getting recruited, it was uh, a good, you know, it was junior year of college. I'm pretty sure that, that they could contact you and, and vice versa. Um, I don't remember the exacts of that, but um, it, it really became a possibility uh, at the end of my high school time, you know, my junior year taking the AP classes and being like, okay, I got to, I have to get ready. I, you know, I want to make this happen. And attending Rivers really helped that become even more of a reality because the skills I learned there to prepare for college and um, just the life skills of balancing sports and school and those rigors. So that things kind of worked out perfectly and the doors just were opening the way I had envisioned. And um, with, with the Ivies, you know, I guess you have your, maybe your verbal commitment, but it really isn't solidified until you have a likely letter. So once I got my likely letter, I'm pretty sure it was October of senior year. Like that was, that was kind of the do everything you're doing and things in the, in the spring with, cause they had gotten rid of early acceptance and early admittance for just that. It happened to be that couple of years. And I would have loved that because I would have been all set by December and it would have been a breath of fresh air, but, um, you know, I just knew keep, keep working hard, keep doing everything the same. And it was going to be very likely in the spring. And then getting that acceptance was, um, like I said, just a, a dream come true, you know? Um, so the school part and the hockey part aligned perfectly and, you know, it just, it was, things were, were going exactly as I had envisioned and, and dreamed of. Now, like you just mentioned, you got to play under a legendary coach, Katie Stone. Uh, what did you learn about the game under her? And what was the biggest adjustment you had to make coming into college hockey? I think, you know, I, I knew coming in that our freshman class was, was going to be fortunately put into game situations right away. You know, it was one of those things where we knew because that was um, – they had lost a decently big size class and we were coming in and, you know, I knew that my, my role was, I was going to be expected to step up right away. And, you know, I had those high expectations for myself. We all had them for each other and for our team. Like our goal was always go win a national championship and the seniors and the upperclassmen had, established that culture and you know that really started with coach stone as well and so showing up as a freshman obviously the adjustment to the speed of the game and playing against girls who are four years older and playing at that highest level um you know you knew it was going to be a little bit of an adjustment but um i you know i thought my freshman year went really well it was um i was part of a a strong team and we were we went all the way to the NCAA quarters. Obviously, we didn't achieve our end goal, so you know it ends in heartache. But I think we definitely were were successful, and and just that experience of getting that level and that volume of games, um, you know, it was an adjustment from coming from high school. But absolutely loved it, and um, that we were fortunate at. Harvard and I'm sure it's the same at all the D1 schools but the resources available to us was just just amazing you know we had the ice baths we had the um excellent training team um you know like our athletic trainer and the people who worked in the athletic training room our strength and conditioning team my coach Mullen he he was one of the best working us so hard in the weight room to be prepared to be successful on the ice and we just had everything available to us and that really helped the, the whole experience and um you know some of the the mindset that coach stone established and the culture that exists at harvard and i guess has always existed you know we have we say team first that is the biggest one and and i think that that mindset of always putting the team above yourself and really being willing to block shots or do the extra back check or those little things. We always stress doing the little things right, putting the team first, and just work ethic. 
Like that was that to me was the the definition of Harvard hockey is team first and work ethic. And you know, we we tried to stay disciplined, stick to our game plan and when everybody was buying in and and doing those two things, we we often were very successful. So, um can't say enough wonderful things about my experience there. Absolutely loved it. It went way too quickly. You know, I wish it was more than four years. Yeah, and uh, you got your first ECAC playoff experience against Princeton in your freshman year. Uh, talk about winning that series and what you remember from it and how it helped you for your next three years at Harvard. Yeah, so it was um, the ECAC quarters are always best of three. So um, Princeton, I guess, would I guess I would say they became a rival pretty early on. Um, you know, and you know how it is. Everybody you're playing, each each team you play that weekend, you just like, oh, I really want to beat this team. And I think ultimately Cornell ended up being one of our bigger rivals. We just always really went head to head with them. But for a while, Princeton was one of the teams who, you know, they gave us a really tough game. And early on, we, we definitely had to battle against them. Um, you know, the my freshman year one isn't as memorable as, I think it must have been my junior year one where um, I think that was when Getty got a big overtime goal and it was just, it was, it was so much more, you know, that stuff sticks with you a little bit more, but um, you know, we had that, that playoff experience. We unfortunately didn't ever get that ECAC championship final in my time. And that was something that we, we really wanted to be able to get, but um well, being in playoffs and competing and going deep was obviously something positive looking back, reflecting on that. Um, but yeah, my freshman year one, I just, I just remember being really excited that this is playoff hockey and there's nothing like playoff hockey, as you know, like that, that's when everything comes together and you're just fired up and you, you're just counting down the minutes until you get into the rink and start that game. So, um, Getting, getting that taste and experience right away freshman year definitely helps set that foundation for we expect nothing less than being in the playoffs every year, being in the playoffs and making a run at it and trying to be champions. So um, I was definitely fortunate to experience those ECAC playoffs each year and to go pretty deep. Yeah, and uh, you had your first NCAA tournament experience your freshman year as well. Uh, what was it like uh, playing Cornell, one of your biggest rivals, and what you did to take away from that experience? Um, yeah, so Cornell, like I said, they ended up really all four years being one of – I don't want to say most hated because there was a deep respect there. You know, like they were they – were excellent opponent they were tough to play against they were talented there was you know we always had this this kind of this fight against them it was it was one of those games that you just really got up for you were psyched that you were playing Cornell and that was the that was always my experience with Cornell but I guess my freshman year that I think it was our second no, it was our first weekend. Our first weekend of games was at Colgate Cornell and Cornell beat us. And they, you know, hustled over to the goalie. It was this big to do. And I was thinking, wow, like, is that, you know, when you win in college hockey, like, do you get that, that into the celebration part of it? And I, hadn't realized that that was the first time that Cornell beat Harvard. So for them, it was a pretty monumental moment. And I just remember that season coach stone in the locker room saying they celebrated like they just won the championship when we don't want to taste that feeling again, you know, and that kind of stuck with us for the rest of that season, obviously losing to them again. in the, the NCAAs was, just, you know, it was almost still salt in the wound and that we were really, I think, hoping to get that redemption and, you know, win when it mattered more. But um, I think from that point forward, I, I definitely was always, 
eager to play Cornell because I look forward to those battles because you love the games that are like that. You love the dog fights and, um, you know, that losing that freshman year, that one was especially one of the ones that you end up just discouraged, disappointment, devastated after it because that was the end of the season and that meant no more games. And I had enjoyed my freshman year hockey experience so much that it, I didn't want it to be over. You know, I wanted, obviously I wanted to win, but I didn't want the games to stop. I didn't want practices to stop. So that combined with losing and not going further and not getting the ultimate goal that you set out to achieve that, you know, makes it sting even more. Um, Anybody who isn't the one hoisting the trophy in the end, it stings. And that was just motivation heading into the next off season as always that, I want to be the team that hoists the trophy in the end. Don't want this feeling again. So that, you know, it was a very positive freshman year and it set the stage for the rest of my college career. And, um, you know, having that motivation to want to be back in, in, in those big games and to be winning them. So. Yeah. And you won your first and only bean pot your freshman year as well. I talked about winning that trophy and getting to play in that historical tournament. Cause obviously it's a big thing in Boston and, was it hard winning it your freshman year and then coming up close your next three years? So were you just happy to win one your freshman year, even though it was the one and only time you got the chance to do that? Yeah, so I have some Northeastern teammates right now. And I did when I played for the Blades, like right after college. And Northeastern always seemed to, they win a lot of bean pots. And, you know, we kind of chirped them. And I'm like, yeah, I hate that you guys have won so many more bean pots than I do. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the time, obviously when you're a freshman, sometimes you don't like, you're thrilled to win and you're psyched that you, you won hardware, your team is doing well, you are, are winning and playing well and advancing. Um, but I think it it doesn't, it doesn't always resonate as much if, you just win right away, you know? And I remember my teammates saying like, yep, you, we got to enjoy it. Make sure you're enjoying this. Like enjoy having that bean pot because it is a hard trophy to win and you're never guaranteed winning it. And, you know, obviously at the time in my head, I'm like, well, we better win it again, but we never ended up winning it again. So that, that definitely sticks with you. You know, like I, I wish we, we were able to capitalize a little bit more on those Tuesday nights in February and um, have more bean pots. But I, I am obviously grateful to have won a bean pot. Um, you know, Boston, I'm, I know I'm biased because I'm from here, but Boston is the best sports city. And at the professional level, I think at the college level and the, the competition, among, you know, the fact that we have four Boston college hockey teams who consistently compete in the top 10 or, you know, whatever top 20, you know, that that's just the level of skill and um, quality hockey out here. And, you know, getting the opportunity to play in the bean pot as a kid from Boston, that's something you, you dream about. That's something you hope for when, when you're growing up and obviously winning one is even better. So love that I was able to win one. What a great experience it was. And that year it was actually at Harvard. So that kind of made it even more enjoyable, but you know, I, I'd be lying if I said, I don't have a sour taste from not having won it again. I wish, I really wish we did. So um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, my another next question is, how do you manage both academics and hockey at such a high level? You know, I I feel like it's just how life has has always been. You know, I I say I've been a student or I've been in school, obviously since that very young age, and it's been school and sports. Whatever the sport was, I was playing some kind of sport, and I was always in school, and. Like I said, my parents really, really had placed on us the importance of school and how how critical it is that we take it seriously. We put it first. We don't we don't 
you know, say, oh, I didn't get my homework done because I had sports. It's like, nope, the homework comes first. Schoolwork comes first. So it was always having to manage that. Obviously, elementary school, it was, you have one sheet of homework and like 20 minutes of reading and then you are good to go, go outside, play, play your sports. But, um, you know, through the years, middle school, high school, like I said, at Rivers, that was really where it it developed to the point where, you know, I, I, I got, I, not, you know, I developed the time management skills to balance it because in high school, I don't, it was so busy. The school day was long. We, you know, I commuted to school, sports was long after school. And then you get home and you're doing homework all night. So it was, it was rigorous and it really challenged me to, to manage everything. Once again, that was something that we're doing since I'm what, five years old, you know, since first grade, you're really managing sports in school, but the level in high school is, was where it was probably the most challenging. And, um, you know, I, I, my experience at Rivers as a student, like the, the wonderful staff I had, my teachers were incredible. And then my, all my different sports experiences there, it, it really did help prepare you for what was going to be ahead in college. And um, I, I love school. So I was eager to do my work and um, eager to learn. And I also really wanted to enjoy my sports experience. So I would try to plan ahead. If I knew I had an essay or I had a project, I would come up with this big plan for it so I could chip away at it because I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't like, oh, I have to go do that work. I, I liked to plan ahead and I liked to have everything balanced and um, scheduled out in advance when I could. So my time at Rivers helped me better prepare to do that. And then that was obviously a, an essential skill at Harvard, balancing academics and all of the work that you do outside of your classes with the sport commitment. Um, you know, I was one of those rank grads who was pretty much at the rank from, I don't know, two to seven, you know, like showed up early in the training room, working out with the team practice and then going back to the training room, taking an ice bath, taking my time, you know, like I loved being at the ring. So it was even more important to, to really balance out when work was going to be completed because hockey was what I enjoyed doing so much. And I didn't want to ever have to rush out of the rink or feel like I was um, needing to complete something. So planning and management really started um, developing more in high school and, it served me well up to now, now that I balance being a teacher in school and still playing hockey. So it's the same balance, um, just a slightly different setting. Now I want to talk about your senior year for a little bit. You were named captain. Uh, what type of leadership did you want to bring that Harvard team and what did you learn from past leaders as well that helped you become captain your senior year? I think that was probably the greatest honor for me that my teammates um, – you know, voted for me to be captain and they chose me to be a leader for the team. And, you know, that's something that I, I take tremendous pride in. I, I try to, you know, I love the game. I love playing. I love being part of a team. It's just something that I get really fires me up. I'm so passionate about it. I love showing up to the rink every day. And, um, you know, I just try to do my best to, lead by example to be out there and and you know putting in the work and making sure to have fun making it enjoyable but um also you know I like the embrace the grind mentality and doing the extra that's just something I've always loved to do and it, it's it helps that I love the game you know that I love playing um and you know so for my teammates to to see me as a leader and to have me in that role was very special for me. Um, and also part of the dream come true, you know, I kind of, um, helping that autobiography come together, even though some parts did it going to Harvard, playing for the Harvard hockey team, being a captain, that was all part of it. And, um, just to, to get to represent my team and be a leader for my team was, it meant everything to me. So, um, 
that that really had senior year you know that was a cherry on top of senior year that was something that I am to this day very proud of still and um I think you know a big part of what our culture was there was like I said the team first and trying to just embody that all the time and trying to have everybody buy in and be part of that mindset, part of that mentality to, to just out hustle, out work everybody, you know, like that was, that was what we wanted to do. And as a leader, that was how I wanted to set the tone and try to set that example and, you know, be, be at the front of that, doing that every single day. And, um, obviously hoping that my teammates were right there with me and that, that that would help encourage them too, if they needed any extra, but they really didn't, you know, like we were, we were driven to, to do well. And I, I, I loved that about our team and our culture there, the whole program. It's just kind of built on that excellence and that striving to get better and to be the hardest worker and to put the team above all else. So, um, it was it was an honor to to lead that group, um, and even though we didn't su- ultimately succeed and get that NCAA championship that we wanted, um, you know, we, I look back favorably on the memories and the experiences, and um, it was a great year. And like I said, I wish it I wish it didn't end after four. I wish that Harvard hockey could have gone for many more years. Um, because I just absolutely loved, loved my time there. Yeah. And, um, you also got to play the Russian team that year as well. I'll talk about what it was like to play them and help grow the sport. Yeah, it was definitely, you know, it, we, like we talked about with miracle that it definitely had some, Oh, we're playing the Soviets, even though it was just Russia. Um, my, my teammates know, well, I'm, I'm somebody who's always throwing out quotes, whether it's some motivational quotes or, the office or miracle mystery Alaska, you know, it's always, I like to squeeze in quotes and, you know, for a while there building up to that week, it was all about, Hey, we're playing the Russians, you know, the, in some miracle quotes along with it, but it was, it was definitely a cool experience, especially, I I mean, I, when I was with the U 18s, um, the U 18 USA team, that was kind of my first taste of, any international competition, you know, we got, we play in team Canada and, um, you know, being in Germany, we, we got a little taste of playing players who were not North American. Um, well, like I know I said Canada, but we were used to playing with and against Canadians, um, in different levels of hockey, but, um, getting to play against, Russia was a unique experience and um, it, it was definitely a great way to, to kick off that year and to see where we were at that point, how we were going to stock up, what we were going to need to get to work on right away. But it's always an, an awesome experience to play some kind of international competition and know that they hopefully can help improve back in there home country and that we can take lessons from playing them in their style and improve ourselves and overall help improve the women's game by, you know, that trickle down effect. So um, definitely a cool experience. Yeah. And um, you played Boston college in your final game in the national tournament. Talk about the emotions you were feeling after playing your final collegiate game. And what do you think you could have done or what the team could have done to get over that hump and win a national title? Yeah, that one, that's one of those that, you know, it sticks with you. Um, that that was a very devastating day sitting in the locker room after knowing that I was done playing for Harvard, that Harvard hockey was over. It was the kind of thing you knew it was going to end someday, but you just didn't want that day to come anytime. You know, it was um, obviously inevitable, but um, – didn't want it to happen and definitely didn't want it to end that way. So, um, you know, I just remember sitting in my cubby stall and I just didn't want to take off my jersey. You know, when people started taking off their gear, like we obviously had to 
get out of there. It wasn't even like our home rink. So it wasn't like we could stay as long as we wanted. Um, I definitely stayed for much longer in my Jersey because I just didn't want that to be it. I didn't want to have to take it off. Um, and you know, that definitely, I, I really had faith and I believed in our team and all the hard work and all the preparation we had done. And BC had had our number for a while up to that point, you know, they were always a, a tough opponent and we just, we just couldn't get the win against them for, you know, the last couple of seasons there. And I don't know. I just, I really had a, a belief that we were going all the way and that even though we were clearly not the favorite and we were an underdog, I was like, everybody loves an underdog story. And we put in the work, we put in everything that, all the preparation, all the sacrifice, and we're due to beat those guys. We're due. Like, we just got to put it all together on the ice, outwork them, and it's it's going to go our way. Um, and there was that. There was one moment in the game where it was just, you know the hockey gods sometimes. You're like, oh, that just – there was a weird bounce where they went down. It was, I think, a one-on-one, an outside shot, and it went in. And I think in, in that moment, you start to be like, oh, we, we, gotta, we have to find a way. There's time. We have to find a way, you know, and you start digging and the clock still ticks. So um, it, it just, it was definitely a, a devastating way to end Harvard hockey. And, um, you know, I think about it often. <laughs> I, I wish that we could have won that tournament and, hoisted that NCAA um, championship trophy. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I know that we really had done everything we could in terms of putting in the work. You know, like, it's not like, oh, I wish I did more in the gym. I wish I did. I know how much went into it. And um, and we did everything we could to be ready and to prepare. And it it, it didn't work out for us. So, at the end of the day, at least I can have that feeling and um, obviously still wish it happened, but, um, you know, did everything to prepare and to be ready for that moment. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't say any more than that, you know, it's uh, did everything and had made the most of the experience, but it was definitely, definitely nice to see Harvard get some wins over, over BC after I had graduated just to be like it's it was always nice to see because that was how I had ended losing to them you know so um yeah you now play for the Boston Pride uh, talk about being a pro athlete in Boston where you grew up and what are some struggles that you face being a female pro athlete and you won an Isabel Cup uh, you're the captain and you're also the lead, uh, leading uh, scorer in NWHL so you're basically like the Wayne Gretzky of women's hockey, as I would say. So uh, just to talk about playing in Boston and professionally and what that's been like overall for you. Well, I appreciate the Wayne Gretzky thing, but very, far, far from it. Um, but thank you. I, Like I said, I'm born and raised Boston kid, love Boston sports. And um, to be able to play hockey still competitively, and play in my hometown, the greatest sports city in the world, and to get to go out there and, you know, just play the game I love. Obviously, it's a dream come true that I didn't even know I had that dream. You know, like it didn't exist when I was growing up. So um, it's it's incredible now that these young players are young fans can come to our games and they can dream big about playing for the NWHL someday, playing professionally someday. And of course, right now, right now we're not exactly where we want to be. We know it's not the end game. We know we're not at uh, the best of what a women's pro league can be, but we are working towards that. You know, we are um, really trying to and improve everything so that, it, it can become the full-time job someday for, you know, the way that it is with male um, professional hockey players. But 
like I said, you know, just having this opportunity to be part of that development and part of paving the way and, you know, I guess being a pioneer for women's hockey, doing that in my hometown and playing the game I love, it really just is an experience that I appreciate every day. I don't take it for granted. And, um, you know, on top of getting to play hockey, I also get to do a job that I love. And being able to do both is something I'm very grateful for. You know, like um, like I said, obviously someday we, we're working towards it, you know, female athletes having salaries that look like male counterparts. You know, that's obviously – down the line, that's what we're, we're working to, to develop and get closer to. But I do feel fortunate to get to have a, a career that I, that I love and that I'm passionate about on top of playing hockey, which I love and I'm passionate about. So um, I'm, I'm glad that I get to do both, that that's possible for me. Um, but, yeah, you know, being – winning that Isabel cup in year one and having it be the inaugural Isabel cup. And, you know, with everything that season, all the excitement of it being year one and the first year of women players getting any kind of salary, it was a, a pretty monumental year. Um, and then, you know, there was, um, what, you know, Denna had, Denna's accident at the winter classic that made winning it even more special because, you know, everything that she went through and, um, you know, the suffering and just the heartache and everything. She just remained so strong and she was still very much part of our team. And I think we all knew that we wanted to make sure that that season ended with us celebrating with the cup with Denna, you know? So when I look back on that year, I, I think about that, how, you know, how special it was to win the cup and to be able to share in that moment with her. Um, and we haven't won the cup since, and that weighs heavily on my mind, you know, that's right there. Every time I'm on that assault bike, every time I'm it, working out, every time I'm on the ice, the goal is to get another Isabel cup. You know, that's obviously the, the main focus each season, but we do have that wonderful opportunity of getting to grow the game while we pursue, um, while we pursue the cup and while we get to compete hard, we also get to develop the women's game further and improve the opportunities that will be for, for the girls following in our steps, you know, even just this year. So this is my seventh professional season, which is hard to believe that I graduated college in 2013. Um, you know, like there are some 98s on our team now and I'm a 91. So I'm just, it just is, it feels like, um, when did I become this old? <laughs> but um, when I went into women's professional hockey, like after I graduated college, the opportunities and the options then were so much more limited than what they are now. And I think that's something awesome too, is that when, when women graduate college, they have different options and they can choose what they feel is the best path for them. But the different options will just help, you know, con continue to push things forward just continue to help improve everything. So um, I, I'm very, I'm grateful for what I get to do every day, teaching and continuing to train and play the game that I love. And the NWHL is working hard to improve women's hockey and, and try to create better opportunities for all. So um, I'm, I'm just thrilled that I get the opportunity to continue playing and competing hard and chasing that trophy and being part of an incredible organization, the Boston pride, 
um, and getting to grow the game at the same time and teach, you know, so I'm just, I'm grateful for what I have right now. Yeah, and one final question we have is what can I do as an interviewer to be better and uh, how can we help grow women's hockey as a podcast and what players on the pride should we might talk to? That'll be interesting conversation just like this one. All right. Sorry. I'm going to need you to, can you um, say the first, um, the first couple again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what can I do as an interviewer to be better and what can we do as a podcast to help grow women's hockey and what players on the pride should we talk to to help uh, grow women's hockey? Well, I, I think that it's awesome that you are a women's hockey fan and that you engage with college hockey and pro hockey. Um, you know, I think that right there is such a big step forward is that the fact that you're, you have a podcast that helps promote women's hockey and has conversations. And, you know, I think in, in most of our experience, when some people haven't come to a women's game and they come see it, usually they say, wow, like I didn't know women's hockey was that fast and I didn't realize how awesome this is. And sometimes it just takes getting people into seats and getting them to see games. And then they usually like are become fans and really enjoy it. So I think the fact that you guys have this podcast and, you know, you bring, bring on different female hockey players. I think that's awesome that you're promoting it just by doing that, you know, and then uh, this has been a very pleasant experience. And, um, you know, like I said, I love, love that you guys want to promote women's hockey and, and kind of help develop women's hockey. Uh, my, you have plenty, plenty of my teammates who I would suggest coming onto the podcast. I, uh, you know, there's some, we've got some Huskies, some Terriers. I don't even think, do we have any BC anymore? I don't think we do. Lexi Bender, she would actually be a great person to talk to. She is, she finished law school. Um, you know, she, she's not playing for the Boston pride this year because she, she, you know, she just finished her, her exams for law. Um, gosh, she just, she just finished law school. So, um, unfortunately she's not with us this year, but you know, I miss her, miss her presence on the blue line and in the locker room, but she would be a, a great alum for you to talk to, um, being, a, a Boston college player, um, Let's see, you got plenty of different Huskies. McKenna Brand, my line mate. Oh, we talked I to wanna... her brother once. Say that again? Oh, we talked to her brother once. He was on the podcast. Oh, even better then, yeah, because yeah. he, he plays out in Minnesota. And yeah. you know, she has she has one of the, the the most impressive shots. It's a laser and it's always accurate, you know. So she um she she would be a great player for you to talk to. Lexi Lang, another Harvard kid. Um and she works in like a vet clinic right now, I believe it is. And, um, you know, her ties to, you know, um, playing Harvard hockey, being a local kid coming, you know, staying local the whole way through, uh, just, just so many, different, you know, Kaylee Fracken, Boston Terriers, Boston University Terriers. Um, and she's Canadian and she's been in the league, the NWHL since, since day one, since year one with me she used to be on the whale then um and lavisa salander rpi women's hockey from sweden um she's an engineer doing remarkable things so honestly anybody on my team and some of the players who no longer are on my team but who i played with with the boston pride it, it really is some very talented skilled hockey players but also just remarkable people and what they do for their careers outside of hockey is, is really impressive. Um, so, you know, take your pick. Anybody would be awesome. And I, that would be great if you can get some more, some more players on for sure. Yeah. We would love to have Lexi Lang on. She was fantastic at Harvard. Um, one thing we do with all of our guests is we have them uh, introduce themselves to start the podcast. So I was wondering if you can just say, uh, I am Jillian Dempsey from Harvard and you're listening to college hockey talk. Yep, definitely. All right. So 
Hi, I'm Jillian Dempsey from Harvard University, and you're listening to College Hockey Talk. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Jillian. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, you may not know this, but you're one of my favorite pro women's hockey players on the Pride, so it's really cool to have the opportunity to talk to you, and I wish you nothing but the best for the upcoming season, and have a great rest of your day. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. That made my day. I really appreciate that. If there's anything else that I can do for you or, you know, any any connections or, you know, to different players or anything else, definitely reach out. I really appreciate your interest in, you know, wanting to have me on the podcast and obviously just having you as a fan. Appreciate that so much. Really do. Um, but let me know if I can ever be of help. And Thanks so much. Have a wonderful weekend. I wish I had a little more time with you, baby.